Today, we answer more of your questions about sustainable aviation fuel and its real-world potential for our industry. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. This week's podcast is brought to you by Whiting Aviation Park. Ready to grow your business in Santa Rosa County, Florida. I'm Rob Finfrock with your trusted source for business aviation news. Our industry continues to seek ways to improve upon its already noteworthy record of environmental responsibility. Chief among those efforts is promoting the use of sustainable aviation fuels, which can be derived in part from several renewable resources. SAF burns cleaner than straight jet A and can represent a significant reduction to particulate and carbon emissions. A recent NBAA NewsHour addressed many questions about use of SAF in business aircraft and offered real-world insights from companies already using these fuels in their aircraft. That program spurred even more questions from the audience, dozens and too many to get to within the hour. So today we'll address more of the topics raised in those questions and hopefully clarify some key points about SAF with the participants from the webinar. We'll start with Steve Zonka, Executive Director for the Commercial Aviation Alternative Fuels Initiative, or CAFI. Steve, you've continued to emphasize that SAF is jet fuel, that it meets all the requirements of ASTM specification standard D1655 for aviation jet fuel, period. From a technical standpoint, is it really as simple as that? So, yes, it is 1655 fuel uh, talked a little bit about how uh, fuel varies from refinery to refinery. And so the fuel that you pick up at one FBO, it can be significantly different than you pick up at the next one, but they all still meet the spec. And that's absolutely the case with these fuels that are produced in, there's only a handful of refineries today that are producing neat SAF that's blended and delivered to airports and FBOs. But that fuel is jet fuel. It meets the D1655 spec. There are no incremental extraneous components in the fuel. They are pure hydrocarbons. They meet a very stringent specification. And then they're blended in with jet fuel, which also meets the specification. So the fuels are essentially identical at a macro level. John Gale is the Senior Director of Aviation at Nike, a company that has utilized SAF in its fleet. John, did you notice any differences when flying with SAF versus straight jet A? Absolutely no difference whatsoever. You notice no change in engine temperatures, no change in fuel burn, no change in performance. As Steve has said, it's jet A. You know, it's sustainable uh, alternative fuel, obviously, but from a performance and operational standpoint, it's no different. You can use uh, sustainable alternative fuel on one leg, have a fuel stop and put in a straight jet A and blend it. And it's a drop-in fuel ready to go. It requires no maintenance and no change in procedures on behalf of the flight crew. They can just fuel and go as they would any place else. That said, there is a lot of uncertainty out there about flying with SAF and a lot of questions. Chris Nielsen serves as the aviation director for a private company. Chris, what are your thoughts about SAF and what have you heard from other operators about their experiences? I would say it's more about a lack of experience with SAF. The folks I do here are committed to using it. They've had no issues. The, The folks that I'm probably dealing with more are concerned with the myth and call it maybe just their lack of knowledge base on 
if it's suitable to use or not. So, you know, I think we hear some of these questions. Well, how does it affect my fuel density, my fuel gauging, my fuel control units and, and other issues? So more focused on the consequences that there maybe we're just not educated that well on. So I think we're in a kind of a buy-in phase at the moment. Steve is our technical expert on this panel. Can you tell us more about the density issue that Chris mentioned and any other technical differences with SAF? Yes, you might see a small migration in density associated with this fuel, which basically also means that the energy content on a a pound mass basis can be slightly improved with the fuels that are being delivered today on the order of 1% to 2%. So Boeing highlighted this in some test work that they did a couple of years ago that at the cockpit level, if you were burning a SAF blend in one engine and petroleum-based jet fuel in the other engine, you actually could see a slight difference in uh, fuel consumption between those two because the SAF was delivering a slightly, very modest, again, level of improved efficiency. That's really the only difference that someone should expect to see. You might see some other improvements actually from a maintenance perspective when you tear down your combustor and find that you didn't have the same level of impact on liner walls using these fuels. But again, those are like second or even third order effects that no one realistically is going to see. The changes that you would likely see from SAF blends versus conventional jet are probably significantly less than you would see from one fuel tank to another based on who produced the conventional jet fuel. Let's turn to the more readily apparent benefits from SAF. Now, we're talking about a blend of up to 30% in fuel from a renewable feedstock, combined then with 70% regular jet fuel. Now, that doesn't sound like a whole lot, Steve, but I understand even that ratio yields real benefits, and not only with what comes out the exhaust. Yes. So the primary motivation for us pursuing SAF as an industry is to address our greenhouse gases and uh, CO2 being the primary greenhouse gas that we're concerned with. And, you know, today as an industry, we produce a pretty small amount, but as we go into the future with aviation continuing to grow and other industrial sectors also pursuing their own uh, reductions, you know, some folks are worried that aviation can get up to the five to 10% range of total CO2 production in, in some future world. So that's the primary motivation, and the way that SAF addressed that issue is that we are offering on a life cycle basis the ability to continue to fly, but reducing the amount of CO2 that we're producing. And at some point, the world, it appears now that the world is on a trajectory to make all industries carbon neutral by the 2050 timeframe. And some folks are even talking about uh, carbon neutrality in the 2035 timeframe associated with uh, European efforts, et cetera. So that's the primary driver is we're pursuing these synthetics. We produce them from hydrocarbons that are already in our biosphere. So the really easy way to think about this is instead of continuing to reach into the ground and pull out more hydrocarbons out of petroleum, and then continuing to add them to our biosphere, we are recycling carbon that's already in our biosphere. That's where the benefit is coming from. 
That said, we must also acknowledge the factors currently limiting widespread use of SAF. Production capacity remains limited at this time, which, in addition to constraining available volumes of the fuel, that also hinders its economical distribution to locations far away from those refineries. These factors also serve, of course, to drive up the per-gallon cost of SAF, understandably a concern for budget-conscious flight operations. Trip Rydell is Vice President for Aviation at fuel manufacturer and supplier Valero Energy. The company has done extensive research on a variety of environmentally conscious fuels. Trip, from your perspective, how is our industry doing so far to promote sustainable aviation fuel? And what might we do to help spur interest and drive greater availability? That's a good question. I mean, there's so many bottlenecks in the system right now. And the difficult part of the conversation you're going to have to have with your, your leadership folks with your company if you want to pursue SAF is the price premium right now that you're going to pay for it. So if you're on the West Coast, you might pay 60, 80 cents a gallon for it. But, you know, because of the logistical constraints, if you're, you know, if, if you're in the Midwest or on the East Coast, I mean, you're looking at, you know, a $2 premium. So that's a that's a, going to be a difficult and a very long conversation you, you'll have to have with your uplinks. You know, what what does this mean to the sustainability portion of, the, of the, the, your flight department's uh, projections and, and your company's outlook, is this going to be something you want to want to pay for at this level? Obviously, those prices will come down as, as more production takes hold and, and the logistical issues are dealt with. But as far as promoting it, that's a conversation you'll have to have. And the other part I firmly believe is that we really need to get the commercial operators, the airlines, to be more involved as far as using SAF, we just simply don't have the volumes to drive the producers to, to really produce meaningful amounts of SAF. And then finally, I would add that there's a number of local mandates with municipalities around the country where you know we want to be carbon neutral by 2050. So it, it also seems like the, the other governmental affairs piece would be you know to engage your your local government and what is that carbon mandate, what does that carbon neutral 2050 look like with respect to the airport, not so much just the infrastructure of the airport, but also with respect to, you know, the airlines, your customers burning fuel and impacting the the carbon footprint of the countries. And it's kind of a three pronged approach. The airlines, the you know, the local municipalities policy and talking to your, your leadership team about what's involved in actually using this to a large extent in your operation. Coming up, we'll address other questions about SAF and resources from which you can learn more about using the fuel in your flight operation. But first, a word from our sponsor, Whiting Aviation Park in Santa Rosa County, Florida. Ready to grow your business? Whiting Aviation Park can help you take off. Here, you can develop up to 200 acres for manufacturing, maintenance, repair, or overhaul operations adjacent to NAS Whiting Field with access to its 6,000-foot runway. You'll be able to reach high and go far from Santa Rosa County, Florida, home to a large, skilled, military-trained workforce. If you're serious about growing your business, learn more about the incentives waiting for you at whitingaviationpark.com. We're back now with our panelists from a recent NBAA NewsHour about the use of sustainable aviation fuel, SAF, in business aircraft. Of course, a major step in promoting awareness of SAF and its benefits is educating our community about it and separating the facts about SAF from some of the fiction that's out there. 
Rounding out our panel today is Stuart DeLeon, Director of Technical Operations at NBAA. Stuart, I think it's fair to say we're seeing greater interest in SAF from across our industry than ever before. And with that has come lots of questions and concerns as we saw during the webinar. Yeah, and I think what it speaks to, the number of questions and and the type of questions that we received is simply that we need to do a better job at communicating what SAF is, uh, the parameters of it. Um, Steve did a great job during the the webinar of of talking about there's that scale, right? Uh, 1655 has a scale. And so if you produce fuel and you're going to certify it at 1655, it has to fall within that scale. It's no different than a lot of the things we do in aviation. We put the scale there. If it falls within the scale, it's acceptable. If it doesn't, it's not acceptable. Of course, there's lots of legitimate concerns that are out there, but I think by the, by the research that's been done, by the testing that's been done, we've proven that most of those don't have validity. And when we talk about things like microbial growth or lubricating effectiveness of the fuel, there hasn't been anything significant there. And so we can't say for certain that that is a contributing factor to any uh, maintenance issues that might arise. I would argue from a maintenance background, and I think most on this panel might agree from their experience, that microbial growth has a lot more to do with operations not sumping the fuel tanks and getting the water out of the fuel uh, that might already be there from not SAF, but just bad fuel that you pick up somewhere. So I think that would be more of my concern, and that's something that I would focus on if I was an operator is, let's address microbial growth, but SAF doesn't seem to be contributing to it. Steve Zonka, I know education is a major focus of your work at CAFE as well. Uh, I agree with everything that uh, Stuart just said. I saw one of the questions that came through is someone said that they were something a significant additional quantity of water out of their tanks that quote-unquote had SAF in them, and... If you have any kind of understanding of the actual production process and the handling that goes along with that, you know, you'd actually make the argument in the other direction that all of the scrutiny put on SAF production by virtue of this foundation that we've created suggests that the fuels are actually superior to what you're picking up from XYZ refinery. And I absolutely do believe that that's the case. The thing that, that's, that I find unique in, in the work that I've been doing, so on the commercial side, right, we've been using it in commercial operations for four years. We've really not focused on communicating these kinds of issues to this broader community that the business aviation community finds itself in right now. We haven't been interested in highlighting the fact to individual flight crews or individual passengers that they've got SAF on board. It was just hidden in behind the scenes, just like every other aspect of safety is behind the scenes in aviation. So it's just now uh, in, in this last basically two-year period where we're starting to introduce this to a new set of folks, flight departments, et cetera, where people are starting to ask questions that were already asked five or six years ago on the commercial side and were put to bed. But we're just working with this new community now, and we need to enhance our communication around all these issues to get this community more comfortable with what these fuels actually are, what they are not, and eliminate some of the myth and urban legend that exists around the fuels. 
Chris Nielsen, from an operator's perspective, what can we do as an industry, in your view, to help dispel some of the misinformation that's out there about SAF? I think we're kind of on the first steps of it, right? It's just sharing what it is, becoming more knowledgeable about it. Um, we're relying on experts like Steve and Kathy in his group. Steve makes an interesting point that a lot of these trials and tribulations have already been accomplished or gone through by the airlines at this point. And I think we should use that, that, that information and data to our benefit. But John talked about a little bit about leadership earlier, and I think there's kind of a, an individual leadership attribute of this within your organization, and then that just comes contagious through industry. So you work with your local and regional groups. MBA from the top down is sending great messaging about this as well. So it's just there's tremendous resources out there in my personal experience. I've learned a lot. I've become real comfortable with it. You understand all the players. So I think it's just kind of a peer-to-peer interaction that's really going to make this thrive. And then it just becomes a natural case of uh, just doing the right thing with yourself and with your, with your organization. In the end, it's all about stewardship. And then I think once you kind of overcome or you come to an inflection point where it's just going to become pricing and demand and all that's going to settle down and it's just become just a little blip on the radar as far as an impact to your business. John Gale, I'm sure you've confronted these educational challenges before as well. Yeah, so I think to uh, to dovetail on Chris's comments, Rob, it has to come from the top down, and then uh, that will help individual departments embrace it, I think. And from the top down, not just associations, but from the manufacturers. You know, they have to be clear advocates in terms of not necessarily promoting a specific fuel blend or, or refinery or process like that, but advocate in a positive way and promote in a positive way that this is a back to the basic terminology, if it's a drop-in fuel, there are no additional requirements. And in fact, there may be benefits and highlight those benefits when that information and that data does become readily available and can be directly spoken to. Stuart, to close out today's discussion about this topic, I understand NBAA and others have provided resources to help answer some of these questions that have been raised both in the webinar and in this podcast. Yeah, that's correct, Rob. Um, so MBA, along with other associations and industry partners, is a part of the uh, SAF coalition. And that entire group has put together the latest revision of the SAF guide. And that is my go-to for anyone who is who is seeking more information on SAF. I think that's a great first start. A lot of work, months of work, in fact, has gone into revising to what we have now as the current edition. And then Beyond that, we're also looking forward to the SAF Summit that the coalition is putting together that's going to bring together OEMs, stakeholders, fuel producers, and operators to all have some of these questions that we're talking about here and we talked about on the news hour to what can we do, how far, how fast, how can we make this the the mainstream, how can we educate people, how can we get those legislators involved, how can we get the operators involved the fuel producers involved to, to make this a, a mainstream fuel that we use every day. So a lot of great things are coming up over the next few weeks into, into months with uh, sustainability in general, but a lot of really good things on SAF. So we're excited to see what comes out of this. 
The recently updated Guide to Sustainable Aviation Fuel, as Stuart mentioned, is published by the SAF Coalition, of which NBAA and CAFE are members. The guide is available for download at futureofsustainablefuel.com. And if you'd like to view the August 25th webinar that launched this discussion, you may find it at nbaa.org forward slash newshour. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Thanks again to our sponsor, Whiting Aviation Park. And remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan episodes at Apple Podcasts in the App Store. Wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including by asking Alexa or another connected device, or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Rob Finfrock, and thanks for listening to Flight Plan. Flight Plan.